sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Now it's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors and Russ Mould, Investment Director of Edge Bell, joins me to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. A, a difficult time at the moment, Russ. Yeah, yeah, so how do investors really ha- assess what is going on? Well, it's over the last month, you've seen bond yields start to rise, which means bond prices are going down. So over the last month, you know, you've lost about 8% if you own UK, gilt, UK government gilts overall, which isn't very funny when the yields, what? less than 1%, you're mm. blowing out a very big, well, all of your return and more of the past few years in the space of a month, which is quite concerning. Um, Futs 100 sort of paddling sideways, global equities are finding it hard work. Um, and what's interesting amongst all of that melee is that the Bloomberg Commodity Index is just about to set a new all-time high. So you've got, you've got, commodity, you've got bond yields, you've got bonds selling off, equity sort of flapping about, commodities rising very sharply which feels like a bit of a change in the mood music because let's face it over the last 10 years it's been on long duration assets like tech in equities uh bonds and the longer the bond the better and even cash hasn't done you a massive amount of damage but it's been bonds and long duration assets that have been fantastic for you um and it's been commodities and short uh, term short duration assets like cyclicals that have been terrible for you now that mm. just feels like it's Flipping around. So maybe, I mean, we've seen these head fakes before, so we can't get too carried away. But this seems to be part of, again, this process of is the market reassessing the infl- the prospect of inflation when the numbers are coming in higher than expected, they're proving stickier than expected, and central bankers are starting to gently back away from that concept of, um, dare one say, inflation being transitory. And you've now mm-hmm. got Jay Powell, you've now got... Um, Hugh Pill, the new chief economist of the Bank of England, all saying, actually, you know what, could last for a little bit longer than we thought and come in a little bit higher than we thought. Mm. So I think that's intriguing. But I think if you look at it, you know, you, I can still make, I can make a really clear case for inflation because we've discussed it for the last year, right? Yes. You've had huge amounts of monetary and fiscal stimulus giving demand a big shove. And this time it's been checks directly to people. It's not on companies. It's not been the indirect method of QE. It's been, here it is, go out and spend it. And largely people have. You've got what feels like a bit of a bubbling under of, of, of an energy shock, which, let's face it, was a huge tipping point for inflation in the 1970s. I'm starting to read blogs mentioning the phrase greenflation. Oh, okay. In, in the green, well-intended green policies for yes. the long-term future. Yes. Having the unintended short-term consequence of restraining energy supply growth because we're intentionally not producing any more hydrocarbons because you know, they do what they do. And yet we haven't yet got enough green and renewable energy to take up the slack. Yes. And yes then, who could have foreseen that? Anyway, and then, and then you've got the onshoring and reining in of global supply chains, either because of trade tensions or ships clogging up the Suez Canal, whatever. And if you're employing people in Burnley rather than Bangladesh, they're going to cost more. And frankly, quite right too, and it's good for wages, but it could be inflationary. So the case for inflation is there. The case for disinflation or deflation is still there. Could just be down to bottlenecks, which which you know lumber prices are coming down, DRAM ships are coming down, China to LA port uh, container ships rates are coming down. Technology and product, technology is still inherently disinflationary as it drives productivity and unfortunately gets rid of the need for people through automation. And organised labour is not very powerful right now. So that, that was a big factor in the seventies when I was reading my Asterix books by candlelight. 
you had an energy shock and you had very powerful unions were basically saying to Ted Heath, you don't rule the country, we do. Oh, well, this is a real flashback. I've just bought two uh-huh. Asterix books. I just suddenly remembered recently Senior how Uda, much I love them. Uda, Though they've been yeah. rewritten. They've been rewritten oh, and revised. Well, I think not... at least one of them is unfortunately now no longer with us, I think. Is that right? Oh, I may well be surprised like Tintin. Anyway. And then you can still make the case for stagflation, mm. which is another word that's becoming, if you do a Google search, it's, it's rising up the rankings. Debt is inherently disinflationary, deflationary, or, or a restrainer of growth because interest payments have to be made no matter what the you know, economy is doing, so that, that's yes. cash out. You potentially can argue that QE is helping keep zombie firms alive, but they're not doing very much. They're hogging onto capital. They're keeping people employed, but that could that capital, ruthless as it sounds, be re-employed in a Schumpeterian creative destruction? Are we supplying Cartwrights with capital when we should be supplying Henry Ford or Elon Musk with it, or their equivalents thereof? And at the moment, governments are, and I know they're copying a lot of political flack for it in some cases, talking about reining in stimulus and that means therefore that consumer spending and corporate spending has got to step up to the plate and take over and at an uncertain time that's not guaranteed so that would could mean low growth but sticky prices which would be stagflation and possibly the worst scenario of all so i can make a case for all three inflation deflation stagflation the moment the market's still pricing in more of the same over the last 10 years because you know there's still this faith in central banks and Equities have massively outperformed commodities for the last 10 years, and, and, and so are bonds. But that movement moves it now just seems to be changing. Yeah, Ross, a good moment for us just to pause for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose in conversation with Russ Mould of AJ Bell, looking at the financial outlook for personal investors. Uh, yes, there's another. You've talked about threeflations there. Of course, shrinkflation I've seen mentioned yes, recently. I'm not, not probably, as no, important for the market as a whole, but the idea yeah, that... But it's, uh, in the, it's in the inflation bucket, I would suggest. It, yeah, I, I, I believe absolutely. that Toblerone have come in for more criticism, for more gaps between the triangles and things. Yes, yes. It's uh, basically coming up with smaller packets and charging the same amount for them, yeah. um, which is perhaps good for the nation's stomach, but not... Um, great because as you say it's clearly inflationary but so what do private investors do because if if learned people like you say well we could be inflation it could be deflation it could be stagflation um you know how do how do investors position themselves clearly clearly they shouldn't expect necessarily that the next 10 years are going to be the same as the last 10 well i think that's the danger and central bankers don't know what's going to happen because they wouldn't be running policies that were deemed to be emergency rations 12 years ago otherwise would they so they still don't know that and they're only they're well intended Honest, although maybe that investigation to Fed insider trading might be a, 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 a light, slight reappraisal possibly there, um, and, and, and smart people, but even they don't know. Um, so I think if, if you're looking at things to help you check what's going on, you have to look at the trend in interest rates um, and, and quantitative easing. And we've now had, I think, 65 interest rate increases this year and only nine um, cuts, according to cbrates.com. Mm. Reserve Bank in New Zealand, first increase in seven years. Poland, Iceland's put through. The Reserve Bank in New Zealand didn't mention just inflation. It mentioned housing bubbles as well, which is intriguing because I think that's what the Chinese are trying to raise at the same time. Um, So you've got to watch the direction in that. And let's, you know, people are now expecting the Fed to maybe announce a tapering on the 3rd of November. I still think any excuse will do. But equally, I also think if they do try with all good intention, they might not get terribly far because previous efforts haven't got very far. So look at um interest rates look at dr copper great guide to global economic health it's it's back to a two-month high it seems to have shrugged off this chinese slowdown mm-hmm. which i think is pointing to 
inflation or stagflation. Uh, look at transports. Uh, they've done they've, the Dow Jones transport index has doubled in the last year, uh, again from a low base. Uh, but again, if, if things if goods are being shipped, they're being sold, and if they're being sold, then they have to be you know inventory has to be replenished, and that's good for for the transport. They've just come off a little bit recently. I do wonder if that's an inflation thing, not an end demand thing. I mean, if they really roll over, then you'd be worried about end demand in the market telling you something different. But, you know, you've got FedEx telling people, well, we haven't got enough drivers, we haven't got enough pilots, and the ones we've got are having to pay a boatload more. Mm. You know, um, so that could be an inflationary thing. Watch small caps. Great guide to market appetite for risk. And also, again, very plugged into the local economy. US small caps, the Russell 2000 has done nothing all year. And the FTSE small caps done incredibly well. But again, they've just sort of started to flatline. Again, wonder, okay, let's keep an eye on that. If they roll over very badly, that will play into the disinflation slowdown or stagflation camps. Again, I wonder if that's inflation. Because if you're a small cap company, say you're a loo roll maker in Blackburn and your costs have just gone through the roof and you go to a big supermarket chain and say, well, I want to pass on this and give you a price increase. <laughs> you might get a fairly short Anglo-Saxon answer, I would think, from a big supermarket chain right now. And it's a matter of then of how Porter's five forces and way around the food chain. But small company dealing with big company, the pricing power tends to last with a big company. So I do wonder if small caps might be an interesting way of tracking if there is inflationary pressure building the system, because they might find it harder to pass that on. And then the third, the final one is just looking at sort of more market oriented things, market froth. I'm just intrigued to see that Kathy Wood's ARC ETFs, I think they peaked back in spring and they're now starting to see outflows, which is interesting. So again, and they're classic long, you know, they're investing classic long duration assets. And I get it, it's been a brilliant formula, whether it's Tesla or tech, whatever it happens to be. But again, if interest rates for whatever reason do start to tickle up, that means there's a higher discount rate goes into the model. So your future cash flows are worth less. So your equity valuation goes down. More pertinently, if we do get inflation, nominal GDP will look good. Nominal growth will look good. Why would you want to pay massively high multiples for stocks that have outperformed that are offering jam tomorrow when you can pay lower multiples for stocks that have massively underperformed that are offering jam today? Cyclicals. So that's why I think we need to watch this shift because over the last five years, it's been obviously tech first and the rest nowhere. But over the last 12 months, energy stocks and financial stocks have been the best performers. And again, they need a cyclical tailwind behind them. They've underperformed. They're widely detested. Yeah. And so, again, you might just be seeing that shift. So keep an eye on things like Kathy Wood's ARK investment as a bit of a bit, bit of a bit of a uh, an indicator as to where the market wind is blowing. And also things like the IPO indices and the SPAC index, the next generation derived SPAC ETF, that's rolled over. Good in it suggesting there's some froth coming out of the market and people are you know, being a little bit more careful with their money, not just blindly buying cash shells and other stuff. But equally, if, you know, that could be you know, a lot of people piled in in the spring with their stimmy checks. And if they're now sat on book losses, then you know, they might be getting a little bit edgy in their propensity to come back into the market might be diminished. So uh, there's a balancing act there between yes... So too early to tell, down. but some indicators as to which way the wind might be blowing. I, I did see one um, business commentator, not a market commentator, saying that he, he was shifting a massive portion of what he got into cash because he was terrified of a really big correction. You, you don't necessarily, you're not that worried, I presumably. I can, I, the, the problem with doing that is you canning, all right, depends what, whether you own them in a SIP or an ISO mm. or a dealing account, but you can obviously incur costs there. Well, you will incur commissions. You may incur spreads. You you could end up with some tax bills as well. Um, so you've got to be a, 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 But I, I can see the logic of having a percentage of cash available. 
in your portfolio. Any financial advisor will tell you to do that anyway. Just so you, I mean, the old rule is you have three to six months of your monthly bills socked away in cash, yes. just in case, heaven forbid, you lose your job, you get ill, something goes wrong, your firm goes, well, just, just, and I know it's not easy to do, ladies and gentlemen, but it, mm. it's, it's, it's one of the golden rules that any financial advisor will, will, will first thing they'll say to you when they're doing their yes. fact find is sock this away. Looking at it from an investment perspective, cash does bring you optionality. I mean, I know that buying on the dips has worked brilliantly for the last 10 or 12 years. There'll, there'll be a period like in 2003 and 2007 to nine when it doesn't work for a bit, but at least you still be averaging down. Mm. And I think having some cash around, my guess personally is that you, if you, you yeah, the last 10 years, it feels like the, the music's changing and that stagflation or inflation are going to start creeping into the equation. Um, and at the very least, you'll get a change of market leadership and you'll probably get more volatility. Uh, and therefore, I think having some cash available for when the, there is that period of vol will be potentially quite useful. Yes. Ross, thank you very much as ever. I've been in conversation with Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJL, looking at the financial outlook for personal investors. And we'll be more from Russ next week. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.